So it's so good to be gathered together today in terms of that. There's a few things that have happened in church um, here at this location, campus. Jeannie said location earlier, so actually she set the scene, didn't she? Uh, A few things I thought we'd never actually um, uh, sort of say. First of all, I never thought I'd hear we're doing Spanish Alpha in church. What about that? How good is that? And seven people signed up for Spanish Alpha. That is muy bien. And I'm going to stop there. Um, uh, the, the other thing is just all those uh, with those youth services. This is for Icon Church. This is our first weekend. We were doing 11 services this weekend. 11 services, which is uh, incredible. I never, I never thought uh, we'd hear that in church. So it's so exciting. And uh, I'm so thrilled to bring the word today. I, but before I get into it, I just want to mention it's a week of prayer and fasting. Well, five days starting tomorrow. And uh, if you take this little card and you do the QR code, um, if you know how to do that with your phone, if you've got a smartphone, that'll take you to the website where you can find out all the stuff that's happening. Or you can just go to the website and uh, it's all on there, and the prayer schedule's there. We're doing 7 a.m. on Facebook Live, so that's for all the early risers. Um, and uh, then we're doing a midday, 12.30, actually, uh, 12.30 Zoom. And uh, again, it just have, there's a button there, you just press the link, and that'll take you to the Zoom uh, at 12.30. And then at 10 o'clock at night, we're doing Instagram Live. But I, I just wanted to mention also, next Thursday, we're doing 9 a.m. Thursday to 9 a.m. Friday, 24 hours of prayer. And I really love to encourage everyone across our church, you know, Rotherham, Stocksbridge, Icon Church, would you take an half-hour slot and just pick an half-hour slot? Now, I've done 4 o'clock in the morning, so you're safe, all right? But you can choose any time and just... just just sign up. We'd love to fill those 24 hours. Uh, we only need 48 people to do that who would take a half hour slot so that we're praying over 24 hours. There's some guides as to what to pray for. Uh, that would be fantastic if you could do that. And also the last thing is on Thursday, we've got a prayer meeting in the room, 7.30. And uh, we'd love you to do that. Oh, this morning, the message I've got is a little bit different because I'd planned to speak on something else, and then a few days ago, I just felt God gave me a prophetic word that I kind of want to share this morning. I'll share it as a message, as maybe a short message. We'll see how it comes out. But the, the word that God gave me was simply this. God is about to increase your capacity. God is about to increase your capacity. And yesterday, we had a, a little bit of a leaders gathering here for some of our core teams, uh, across the life of church, etc. And uh, I, I, I just shared quickly, you know, sort of this is what I was doing today. And uh, Nathan came to me, our Nathan, Nathan Benji, he's speaking in Derby today. And he said, Dad, I, I, my message tomorrow uh, is I'm speaking about capacity. And I said, oh, because he had no idea like what I was planning. So either he got something from God and then I had to catch him up, or I got something from God and he had to catch me up. But he's changing his title anyway to God is about to increase our capacity. So I do think it's a prophetic word and it may uh, for us that God just wants to share with us as a church at this time. I want to start here, Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
They were commended for their faith. You know, I've heard a lot of things traveling around, talking to different people, not just in Icon Church, but different places. Lots of people are telling me they're feeling tired. Lots of people saying they're feeling weary. They don't want to go back to what they normal was like, you know, pre-pandemic. Some people saying, I don't think I can go back. I'm not sure I've got the capacity or I've got the... Uh, you know, the ability to go back to my life. Some, someone described it like this. Everything stopped. Now everything is back on. Work, school, holidays, church. All of, all of life is almost like switched back on. And it, it feels a little bit overwhelming. Someone else described it like, I, I spent 18 months like semi-retired. And I liked it. <laughs> I don't want to go back (laughs) to what it was like before. Uh, One week ago, the Harvard Business Review wrote an article uh, because so many people are resigning from their jobs in this season. I I don't know if you've experienced that. They called it the great resignation. And one of the things they said in the article was this thing that people don't want life back as it was because they don't think necessarily they can cope or they don't want to. They just don't, don't want to. And many people are sensing or feeling that the capacity maybe they once had has been reduced. They're feeling tired or weary. And when we feel tired or weary, that leads to inaction, doesn't it, in our lives. And that might be a commentary today on other people. That might be a commentary on, on what's happening to other people and not your story or my story. You might think, okay. Or you, that might be a commentary on your life, on my life. We might be feeling some of that. Well, I feel that God wants to speak into our lives today, whatever we're feeling, and just say, God is about to increase your capacity. You know, when it comes to faith in Hebrews 11, we read the opening verse. The ancients, it says, were commended for their faith. I love that. And then it describes what they did. Because their faith produced some action, some response, some things that they could do in God's strength. Not in their own power, but as they trusted God, there were things that they could do. And faith, we know, always involves action, doesn't it? Uh, faith is not just alone. It's not just something I believe. It's not, it involves action. If you had faith that the chair would hold your weight this morning, you sat down. You know, it always involves action. Sometimes we don't think about the action or we don't think about the fact that I'm exercising faith, as in sitting on a chair, for example. But actually, faith is always married to action. James, the brother of Jesus in James chapter 2 verse 17 says this, in the same way faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James, he doesn't pull any punches. He says faith is dead if it doesn't have action. Not, not, Not that it's fainted and needs resuscitation, but actually faith is dead. And when we go through that list in Hebrews 11, that chapter on faith where it talks about the ancients and what they were commended, uh, commended for, it's just got a list of what people did as they trusted God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read you some of them. Enoch, it talks about Enoch. That's a great baby name, isn't it? Enoch pleased God. That's what he did. And as he trusted him, Noah built an ark 
120 years it took him. He built an ark. Abraham, it speaks about how Abraham at first left his homeland on a word from God, on a promise from God. Sarah, it talks about Sarah, Abraham's wife, who was past childbearing age, but she sought to get pregnant. She did something. Faith, Isaac, their son, blessed his own sons, Jacob and Esau, and he was commended for that act of faith, of blessing Jacob and Esau. But then Jacob, it says, the Bible says, blessed Joseph's sons. And there, if you think about that little passage, those little scenario that I've just um, read, that five generations of blessing from God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joseph's sons, five generations of blessing. I don't know about you. I want that for my family. I want that for my children and for my children's children. You know, my, my, my mom uh, was the first kind of in our family. Well, no, my grandmother uh, became a Christian. Uh, actually, in the Salvation Army, she became a Christian first, then my mom, then me, and my children, and now we've got a bunch of grandchildren, and they seem to be mushrooming the number of grandchildren and stuff. Uh, how many generations is that? My grandmother, my mom, me, my children. It's about five, isn't it? It'll do. I want the blessing of God to run through the generations of my family, and I'm sure you do too. It, it talks about how Joseph prophesied the exodus, that he had prophesied that one day that the Israelites would be slaves, but that, that actually they would come out of Egypt. And he was so convinced that God would fulfill this. This was his faith. He said, when it happens, you've got to take my bones. I'll be dead, but take my bones with you. He was so convinced of that. Moses' parents hid him because they looked at him and they said, this is no ordinary child. The hand of God is on him. That's how we should all look at our kids, by the way. This is no ordinary child. And uh, There's times I've looked at my kids and thought, this is no ordinary child, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but Moses' parents hid him. Moses himself, the Bible says, left Egypt. He was willing to leave Egypt. He kept the Passover. He crossed the Red Sea, stretching out his staff. Uh, just examples, great examples of faith. And I believe we're in a season where we need our capacity to grow. We need our capacity to grow, maybe as individuals, within our families, as Icon Church. We need our capacity to grow. And so God speaks to us today and says, God is about to increase our capacity. I, I want to share three things I felt that, that, that the Lord said that, that he w was going to do in this season. These are the three things. Here's the first. God will clarify your dream. God will clarify your dream. Acts chapter 2 verses 17 and 18 says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. You know, we went on a study break uh, this last week, which was, which was, was great. We, we stayed in this place. And uh, I had some weird dreams. I think it's like, I, I don't want to freak anybody out, right? This is semi-serious. I think it's because they had loads of Buddhas around the place. 
And I had some weird dreams. And in this one particular dream, I don't know why I'm telling you this. In this one particular dream, uh, I'm being chased by somebody who I don't know. And I'm scared. And I'm running. And I find myself in an alleyway. And I can't get out. So I realize I can't get out. What do you do? You've got to fight. So I turn around in the dream and start hitting this person only to wake up. I'm hitting Jeannie. Oh, like, you know, in a dream, flailing my arms, like, not really. I'm not on top of her. Anyway, you know, I, I shouldn't have told you that. I have no idea. But anyway, your old men will dream dreams. <laughs> Hopefully, God dreams, not those kind of dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. Do you know what? The thing I love about these verses, I heard Yonggi Cho, he just died actually, um, I think a week ago, just over a week ago. He was the pastor of the world's largest church for many years. Seoul, Korea, 750,000 members. Imagine that. And, uh, but years ago, when I was a teenager, I heard him say, visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit other language. And I think as well as our own dreams and sometimes our weird dreams or our crazy dreams, and it's not just dreams when we're asleep, there are dreams that God puts in our heart. Sometimes dreams for our family, for our children. That's a dream for me that the generations of my family would be blessed, that my children would follow the, follow the Lord and serve him. That's a dream in my heart. Sometimes we, there's a God dream around our career. You know, that God just drops a dream about what we're meant to do. And there's people in this room, you know, years ago, you, you felt a pull, you felt a desire to do something and you stepped out. And that was a God dream in the area of your career. Sometimes God can drop dreams in our hearts around our wealth and things, things like that. We, we're different and God has dreams, different dreams for all of us. Uh, and then there's the dream that God has for our future. You know, our, our future. So many people live life, don't they, thinking their best days are behind them. But whatever lies ahead for, for us, however many years lies ahead, I believe God has a dream, even for those days. And the thing that God spoke in this to me was this, that God is about to clarify our God dream, to make it clear. You might think, well, I'm not quite sure what it is. That's okay, because God is about to make that clear to us. Sometimes our dreams are good. We have our own dreams and they're good and God blesses them. And, uh, and, and you know, they, they fit with who we are. We want to do this or we want to do that and God blesses those dreams. And because we're made in his image, we're dreamers. We imagine things and God blesses our dreams. You know, in Stocksbridge there and in Rotherham, I, I want to tell you, some of you have got dreams that God and God will bless those dreams. And you just think it's you thinking, but God will bless those dreams. And I think in this season, God is going to clarify the dream. And we, we may just remember something God said. We may just remember some response in our heart to something. God's about to clarify. And you're going to realize that you're right where God wants you. He'll right where God wants you so that God can move through, through you. Maybe you've never considered that, that God can give you a dream. Maybe you've never asked the question, what is a God dream in my life? Well, I think the first thing I want to share this morning as part of this word 
to us is that God will clarify your dream. The second thing I want to share is this. Jesus will quiet your storm. Jesus will quiet your storm. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we all drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Life might seem like a squail as the scripture says there a storm and you know just things happening all around that just one thing after another I remember one year told you about this before I fell out with January (laughs) I did I fell out with January it took me a couple of years to think January I, I, I can welcome you back now but I fell out with January and the reason was for some reason it was so strange In January, started on January the 1st, something went wrong. Something went wrong on January the 2nd, 3rd, 4th. 30 days out of 31, something went wrong in our world. Like, I've never known a period like it before or since, thankfully. And I fell out with January. Like, uh, seriously, I did. I thought the month of January is not a good month. It should be taken out the calendar altogether. Let's go back to the Jewish calendar and get rid of the Julian calendar. Let's, let's change it altogether. You know, sometimes life can be like that. Lots of stuff. Lots of storm. And we think, well, I, you know, I mentioned earlier people saying, I can't do that. I can't do that anymore. I can't do what I used to. But I believe that Jesus is going to stand up in the midst of our storm and he will quiet the storm. In fact, as I say it today, receive it as God speaking. Quiet, be still. In fact, Jesus said, be muzzled to the storm. Be muzzled. Stop it. Quiet. No more noise in that. Because, you know, God has grace for us. Grace for our race. Uh, The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 10, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, something he called a thorn in the side. I won't get into what people think that was. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This story of the storm and Jesus standing up shows you what his grace is like for us in the storm. That God has grace for us, that he will stand up and quiet the storm. My power, Paul goes on to say, God spoke to him, is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast about my weakness. I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak... Then I'm strong. 
Because when I'm afraid, Jesus will stand up and speak to the storm. When I don't feel I've got the strength, Jesus has got the strength. There's grace for your race. In Rotherham today, there's grace for your race. Come on, do you believe it? In Stocksbridge today, there's grace. God's power will show itself in your weakness. Matthew 11 in the message 28 and 30 says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You know, even in churches like ours, we can think that God is just wanting to put do's and rules and must this and must that on us, and it can become heavy on us. Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely, and you'll learn to live lightly. I believe for many of us, there's a new rhythm coming. It's the grace that God has for us. If you're feeling stressed out today, I believe that there's a grace for you available. You know, we've always said as a church, God doesn't send the storm, but he always uses it. He always uses the storm. And maybe, maybe God will use the storm to get our attention. Uh, maybe God will use the challenge or the fear we feel to know that he's with us and that he's close, that he's in the boat with us. And I believe that there's a new rhythm for many of us. But first, God is going to, Jesus will quiet the storm and lead us into unforced rhythms of grace. The storms of anxiety. Jesus is saying, be quiet, be still. The storms of fear, be quiet, be still. The storm of uncertainty, there's peace in that storm for you today. The storm of disappointment. Jesus stands up in the midst of a boat of disappointment and says, quiet, be still. God is still God. The last time I checked, Jesus was still Lord. The last time I checked, God was on the throne. Not the devil or Buddha, God was on the throne. Quiet, be still, be muzzled. I used to have a dog called Jack, it was demonized. And um, it really was. I mean, uh, and uh, I used to have to take Jack for his inject injections, and the vets would not go anywhere near Jack unless he was muzzled. And I had to muzzle him because they would not get to muzzle him. He was that bad. But you know, as I was thinking about this this week, when he was muzzled, which is the word Jesus used, be muzzled. The noise abated. You couldn't hear the barks and the anger or the fear that was coming out of the dog, whatever it was. And I believe some of our storms need muzzling because there's just noise. And the noise is distracting us. And, and the noise is, is thinking it's, the problem is bigger than it really is. Uh, the noise can be so loud that sometimes we think the problem is bigger than God. But actually, be muzzled. That's better. That's better. Uh, when Jack was muzzled, he'd still thrash about. But he had no teeth. He had no power. 
And the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. I heard one preacher one time say that the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion. That's because he's really a mouse with a loudspeaker. I want you to realize that some of the storms we face are just noise. They're just noise. And Jesus is in the boat. They have no power because he's in the boat. And Jesus will speak speak peace to the storm. Jesus will quiet the storm. And the final thing, and the worship team are going to come back, is the Holy Spirit will restore your passion. The Holy Spirit will restore your passion. I want you to show you a, a picture of two ladies. Uh, you know who they are, don't you? Princess Diana and Teresa of Calcutta. They died in the same week in 1997. They'd actually become friends. And uh, Teresa, Mother Teresa, as we know her, had a great impact on Diana. And a great impact on Diana deciding to do all the charitable work that she did. It's interesting to look at these two women who became close, but were in very different worlds. And everyone wanted to be Diana. She was beautiful. She was a princess. I thought about getting some of the uh, princess dresses at the back as an illustration this morning. Not, not putting them on, but actually the princess dresses. And just say, we've got all these princess dresses but there's not a Mother Teresa dress. Because everybody wanted to be Diana, beautiful, a princess, wealthy, with the friends in high places, the clothes, the profile, the prestige. And I think Diana was a great person. But no one wanted to be Teresa, to give up everything, to serve the poor, to take a lifetime of risk, a lifetime of obscurity, order, established a hospice, centers for the blind, centers for the aged, centers for the disabled, and of course, what she's most famous for, a leper colony. You see, passion is always linked to sacrifice. And Mother Teresa's passion came through in her willingness to sacrifice. When we think about passion, we might think about the passion of the Christ, We're thinking about the final week of Jesus' life, aren't we? Passion week, we called him. That God so loved the world that he gave. We think about that passion linked to sacrifice. And my passion and your passion may have slipped in this season, in this last couple of years. But I believe God is saying today, the Holy Spirit will restore our passion. I read this quote from Erwin McManus this week who said this, to be apathetic is literally to be without passion. When you and I feel apathy in our lives, and you know, we use that modern day word, meh. When we feel that, it's that we're losing passion or our passion is waning because energy follows passion. When I'm passionate about it, I've, I've got energy for it I, uh, I play a little bit of golf just, just to try and keep, keep fit well I go to the golf course whether you could call it playing golf or not some people in church could attest but sometimes I tee off at 7.06 the first tee time so I can get nine holes of golf in before work just 
I like it better than running. I am not built for running, let's just say that. Um, getting up at six o'clock to go and play golf is never a problem because I've got passion. Energy follows passion. And everyone wanted to be Diana, the wealth, the privilege, but no one can. No one can. No one wanted to be Teresa, but everyone can. Everyone can. Everyone can care for others at some level. Everyone can seek to build God's house at some level. Everyone can serve. I think the Holy Spirit in this season is going to restore our passion. And of course, the greatest example of passion is the cross, God's love for people. And not only his, his passion when Jesus, that, you know, we don't only see his passion when Jesus dies on the cross, we also see his passion when Jesus heals people, prays for people, lifts people up. We see his passion when he clears out the temple and he drives out the money changers. And he says, this should not be a market. This is meant to be a house of prayer. The energy followed his passion. In fact, John 2 and verse 17 says, his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Our passion may have slipped, but the Holy Spirit will restore it. In Rotherham and Stocksbridge and online, those of you watching this service here in our Chesterfield campus, the temptation for us now would be, I've got to dream God's dream. But God has to give you that dream. You can't do it. The, the, the temptation for us would be, I've got to quieten the storm. No, Jesus is in the boat. He'll quiet the storm. He'll quiet the storm. I've got to get some, en some energy and some... Whoa, whoa, no. God will give you the passion. God is about to increase our capacity. And our response is to receive. It's just to say, Lord, if this is what you're saying, I just receive. God doesn't want you worrying about the storm. He doesn't want you worrying about the passion. He doesn't want you worrying about the dream. That's a little bit like some people worry that they're worrying and then they worry when they're not worrying, isn't it? No, God wants us to receive. It's what God is about to do. And I just want to encourage us to let him. Let God be God. He's still God. Last time I checked, he's still God. He's still the same. His promises are still the same. They've not changed. Society may be changing. Things may be shifting all around us. But God is still God. Would you stand with me today Let's, as we pray? God is about to clarify our dreams. He's about to quiet our storm. And he's about to restore our passion. He's about to increase our capacity.